Well, good morning, New Life Midtown. Morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Am I doing well? Yes. Good. Travis, good to see you this morning. The first person I saw walk through those doors, man. My heart leapt. I was excited. I was happy to see you. Guys, welcome to Second Service. Today, second Sunday of 2022. How many of you are starting to feel a little momentum going into the new year? Anybody? Yeah? How many of you are like, I'm still waiting for my momentum to kick in? How many of you started making some steps and then like got like railroaded? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, there is so much sickness flying around in the city right now. It is ridiculous, which can be a little hard to find that internal motivation and energy and, and momentum when it seems like you're taking a couple of steps in the right direction and then all of a sudden um, you have to stall. You have to, you know, rework uh, your systems and your rhythms. So grace to you. I say all that to say grace upon grace to every single one of you. Friends, I, I'm really excited this morning. <clears throat> this is Vision Sunday, not only at New Life Midtown, it's Vision Sunday across all of our congregations here in the New Life family. And by the way, as I've been thinking about our New Life family, we belong to a really great family. We belong to a good house. We belong to a strong house. And this year, 2022, we are going into the 38th year that New Life has been in existence in our city. 38 years. Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but it means a heck of a lot. It means that for 38 years that God has had a prophetic sign and a witness here in this city that has endured, that has endured hardship, that has endured trial, that has endured adversity. It means that for 38 years, it have been a people that have faithfully gathered together and proclaimed the name of God and proclaimed the gospel witness of who Jesus is here in Colorado Springs. Come on, you guys can get a little excited about this. It means that for 38 years, that there have been people that have been praying and sowing into this city, that have been praying for the kingdom of God to come in this city, that have been praying for the welfare of this city, that have, pray, that have been praying for good things to happen to the people in this city. How many of you guys love this city? I'm just curious. Like, I'm, I'm getting, like, no response this morning. And th this, we preached. Don't make me go back and preach my, my message from four weeks ago. We are a people of response. So when I'm saying things that excite you or that are good or that you agree with, just, you know, just say yes. Amen. Say yes. People are praying into this city. We ought to say yes. Yes and amen to that. It's a good thing. Um, many of you guys know my story. I grew up uh, in a military home, a military brat, five different places by the time I was five years old. My dad was born and raised in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And uh, I had five different places by the time I hit Texas at five years old, two years in Texas, two years in Germany, two years in Holland, back to Texas. And so when people say, where are you from? I typically claim Texas because that's where I graduated from high school. But three days after I graduated from high school, I moved to California, and I was displaced, right? My parents were living in uh, the Long Beach, Anaheim area, and so every time I would come home for Christmas or for summer, I would go home to a people that I did not know because I didn't grow up in Long Beach. I didn't grow up in Cypress Cerritos. I grew up in Texas. And so where am I really from? I moved from, uh, from California to Tulsa, Oklahoma, was there for nine years, and that probably felt more like home than any place I had been to thus far. But it's school, right? You know, school doesn't really feel like home. But I met my wife there, found my calling there, got two degrees there. But then I moved to Colorado Springs 17 years ago. And when I first moved here, I can't say that Colorado Springs felt like home. But over the course of time, 
I can tell you that this city has become my home. It has become the place where my heart is attached to. It has become the place where the purposes of God in this city speak to the purposes of God for me and my family. And, and I'm just curious what your story is. So how many of you guys are from the West Coast? Let me see any West Coasters in the house. All right. So that could be anywhere from Arizona or Nevada or Utah. That could be California, Oregon, Washington. I love the West Coast. My family and I go to the West Coast every other year. We love Oceanside. I've taken my wife to San Francisco a couple of times. We've been up to Seattle. I, I love the West Coast. There's something so beautiful about it. Um, how about the East Coast? How about the Northeast? How about the Northeast? Any Boston, New York, Maine? Okay, a couple of no, no, Northeasterners. Very good. Not, not a ton of representation. Same in the first service. How about the Southeast Conference? Right? Oh, man, I got a little bit of a stronger representation for the, the Southeast Conference. And, and I'm saying Southeast Conference for a reason. Because if you live in the Southeast, then you belong to one of the schools in the Southeast. It's just a thing. It just is what it is. Speaking of Southeast Conference, anybody going for Alabama tomorrow night? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Any Bulldogs? Any Bulldogs in the house? Anybody don't care? You just want Alabama to lose? Okay. I, I see where you're at. I, I, see, I see what we're up against today. It's just me against the world. It's just me and you, baby. All right. Uh, how about the Midwest? All right. And where exactly is the Midwest exactly, right? Like, I just like Oklahoma and Missouri, but then it kind of just bleeds into the miscellaneous states, right? <laughs> Everywhere in between. Um, I love that. Any Colorado natives in here? Any? Oh, man, this is amazing. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you say welcome or you're welcome? Welcome. Welcome to, welcome to my state. I love that. I, I love the little bumper sticker that says, I'm not from Cal uh, Colorado, but I've gotten here as quickly as I can. I love Colorado. Um, I love so many things about it. How many of you love the growth that's happening here in Colorado Springs? <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. You're so funny. I can remember when we came and visited this city. We came here in, my goodness, it was 2001. 2001, 2002, my wife and I came and visited. We didn't have kids at that time. We actually helped our brother and sister, Christie's brother-in-law and her sister and their family move. And I mean, I think probably Powers and Constitution was the end of residential neighborhoods and there was nothing really around Powers and Woodman. I mean, everything was pretty sparse. Um, Stetson Hills, there was just a new development right there at, at Ridgeview. And uh, we have seen this city grow and grow and grow and explode over the past 20 years and exponentially in the past five years. Is that right? We live right now. We live right there at Research and Powers. And if you live anywhere near Powers, Powers is a nightmare for you right now, both directions, north and south. And the sense that growth brings so many challenges and it brings change. And that's just the reality of growth. Um, here's another reality. Living things grow. Man, I'm getting no help today, baby. <laughs> Living things grow. Healthy living things grow. So we, we should, at the core of our being as Christians and believers, we should desire health that leads to growth. Now, we can, we're in control of the way that we look at the growth in our city. We can look at this and we can be, begrudge it. We can be frustrated at it. 
We can bemoan it. We can look at this and scratch our head and say, why? Why can't things be like they were, like the good old days? Which the good old days weren't so good for everybody. Remember that. Or we can look back and we say, God, what are you doing here? What are you up to here? What are you up to in our city? Right? Why did you see it fit out of all the times that you and I could have lived in human history? We live now. And out of all the places that God could have planted us, he planted us in this soil. And that there are people that are finding shelter and safety and they're finding harbor and they're finding refuge in our city. So this is no longer just Drew's city. I, I, I feel welcome here, but this is my city now, right? And now I have a responsibility whether or not I'm going to snub other people who are coming here to Colorado Springs, taking up my roads, blocking up my traffic, polluting my air, or if I'm going to see them as people that God loves and as people that God himself could be calling here. I want you to imagine this. I want you to think about this. As much as we might be resisting growth, what if God is calling people to our city? What if God is calling creative people to our city, problem solvers to our city? What if God is calling the next generation of pastors and missionaries to our city? But our attitude would be the very attitude that keeps them from wanting to come back to our city to see our city flourish. See, I believe that God loves Colorado Springs. He loves other cities too, but I'm speaking to our city and I'm speaking to us. And I believe that God loves our city and that God is at work in our city. So today's Vision Sunday, but here's a couple of things that you and I have to understand about vision. And the first is this, that we have to align our vision to what God is doing for it to be a God-sized vision. We have to align our vision, which means that we have to align our attitudes. We have to align our level of understanding. We have to align even our past experiences, our perceptions. We have to take all of those things and submit it to what God is doing, right? You can have a vision that's in conflict with what God's vision is. You can have a vision for your life that is in conflict with God's vision for your life. It can be working against what God is trying to do in your life in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your city, in your church. The scripture tells us in John chapter five, verse 16 and 17, there's this really peculiar story in John chapter five, the beginning verses, where Jesus heals a man that has been an invalid for 38 years of his life. 38 years, the guy can't walk. 38 years, he's been sitting by this pool waiting for someone to help him get into this pool so that he can be healed. And then we find in John chapter five, verse 16 and verse 17, the scripture tells us that the Pharisees are upset that Jesus heals this man. And here's what Jesus says in response in verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In verse 17, he says, in his defense, Jesus said, my father is always working. So God is always at work. And he is always at work in your life. And he is always at work in this church. And he is always at work in this city. And what Jesus is telling them is that the work that God is doing supersedes the law that these people were married to. It's super, it was greater than their paradigm of when and how God should be working. 
In other words, the, the Jewish leaders, leaders of that day were saying, it's fine. We believe that you can work. Just don't work on this day. This is the Sabbath. This day is holy. And Jesus is saying, I've come to bring you a new paradigm. God's always at work. He is at work in rest. Why was it that they were so upset that he was working? Because this is the day of rest. But what you don't understand is that even when you are resting, God's working. That when God pulls you away to get alone with him, when God pulls you away to cease striving and to understand that he's God, he's working. He's building something inside of you. He's rearranging things. He's setting things up. He's coordinating things. He's cutting things out. He's adding things to because God is always at work. And he is at work in our city. Are you hearing me this morning? Look at John chapter 4. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4, beginning in verse 34. We find another story where Jesus is witnessing or he's sharing a spiritual conversation with a young lady who happens to be by herself at a well. And what the reader knows and what Jesus knows is that this woman has gone through a series of relationships and a series of divorces. And in that culture and in that time, she would be considered an outcast. In that culture and in that time, she's marked. But Jesus doesn't outcast anybody. You need to understand this. Jesus does not see any outcasts. Right, so what we determine to be an outcast societally or culturally or relationally or socially, those boxes don't exist with Jesus. There are no outcasts in the kingdom of God. There are no people with scarlet letters in the kingdom of God. There are only people that are in his family and people that, w- that will be in his family. That's it. There are people that are at the table and people that he wants at the table. There are people that are enjoying the meal and people he can't wait to have there to enjoy the meal. That's the only way God sees us. He doesn't even see us as sinners and saints. No, he sees us as family members who are here at the table and those who need to be at the table. That's That's it. So Jesus is having a conversation with this young gal. And in the course of this conversation, his disciples get hungry and they know that he's hungry. And so they run off into town to go grab food. And as Jesus is having this conversation, he is so wrapped up in the purpose of God. Listen to me, church. He is so involved in in what God is doing. He is so connected. He's so dialed in to what God is doing right there in that moment. Now, if you'll go back and if you'll look through the neat nuances of the story, you'll find that at the beginning of John chapter 4, that the scripture says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. But Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria to get where he was ultimately going, geographically. There was another way to get to where he was going. He had to go through Samaria because there was an assignment on a young lady that was considered an outcast socially. And Jesus had to go there. And it was more important than food. And it was more important than finding a quicker route. It was more important than his agenda. He had to get there to have this conversation because there was something that God was doing in this lady's life that Jesus wanted to get in agreement with. So the vision of Jesus' life was in alignment with who God was and what God is doing. And I'm here to tell you today that you can write all the New Year's resolutions you want. You can read all the self-help books that you want. But the only way that your life is going to see success in God is if your vision is aligned with what God is doing, with what God is inviting you and me into. That's the only thing that's going to bear fruit that remains. That's the only thing that's going to be aligned with the purposes of God in the earth. 
And then so as Jesus is having this conversation, you guys are talking. It's good. We're, we're going to get there. By the end of the service, I'm going to have some vocal response in this community. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you. Amen. So then Jesus is having this conversation. His disciples come back, and they said, hey, we've, we've, got, we've got you in and out, boss. And he's like, listen, look at verse 34, John 4, 34. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. The thing that brings me life, the thing that brings me sustenance and substance and strength and nourishment, the thing that feeds me is the will of God. You know, one of the reasons why some of, so many of us are tired, overly tired, well, some of it's because we're overextending ourselves, but some of it's because we're doing things that we're not supposed to be doing. We're, we're doing things that God has never invited us into. Let me just give you a little tip for going into 2022. There are things that God has called you to do this year. And those things that he has called you to do, you have the legal permission to access his authority and his anointing and his grace for the things that he has asked you to do. He's not responsible to give you grace or anointing or authority for things that you're doing that he's never asked you to do. And that's where you and I have to take inventory as we go into a new year. Maybe that relationship's draining you because that's not a relationship that God has called you into right now. Maybe that new job venture is draining you because it's not what God has anointed you and graced you to do. It does not mean that there are things that God has called you to do that will not be difficult. Are you hearing me? Okay, it still requires energy. The will of God and the work of God still require sustenance, strength, energy, creativity, problem solving. You'll, you'll still have to work hard, friends. This is, not, this is not a license to be lazy. But what I'm telling you is that God has promised to give you a grace and an authority and an anointing for the assignment that he's given to you. Look at that verse again, John 4, 34. My food, my strength is to do the will of him who sent me. So our vision this year is, God, we want to be a people that are after your will. We want to be a people that know how to discern your will. Now, for those of you guys who are new, you're a little bit behind. I'm sorry. But the past five weeks, as a community of faith, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us about what kind of people we're called to be. And over and over again, there's been different, different nuances and different ways that he's been saying this. But over and above it all, here's what, let me just give you a synopsis of the past five weeks. God is calling us to be a people that are postured and positioned to discern the work of God in the earth and then to participate with that work as a people of response. And in so doing, the kingdom of God comes in greater measure and in greater degree to the world around us. See, God cannot bless our city without his people. This is the way that God operates. God has chosen to plant churches, establish them in places because we are the signposts and we're the light, the, the, the light candle, the candlestick. We are the, the candlestick of the Lord in Colorado Springs. Not just New Life Midtown, not just New Life. The people of God that constitute the church of Jesus in Colorado Springs. 
how else will people know that it's wrong to beat your spouse? How else will people know that it's wrong to, to, to persecute people of different colors? How, how will they know that? How, how will they know that it's, that it's wrong to c- commit adultery or to not be faithful? How will they know that's wrong? How, how, more importantly than what's wrong, how will they know what the good life looks like? How will they know what it looks like for the, the, the power of God and the presence of God and the, the acceptance and the invitation that God is giving to people in our city? How will they know what that looks like if it's not for you and for me and every believer in this city standing up and living our lives faithfully? Are you hearing me today? So God's strategy for the flourishing of a city is the flourishing of his people. And the way that we learn how to flourish is be a people that do the will of God. John chapter 4, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and, look at this, to finish his work. To finish his work. Jesus had one solitary mission. It was, God, whatever assignment you give me, I am giving my life for this. And you'll see this over and over and over again in all the Gospels. In fact, go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And by the way, I really encourage you to listen to both messages. (laughs) I mean, probably every Sunday, it's going to be a part A and a part B. It's going to be, depending on what's happening inside of here, it's going to be about 60% the same, maybe 40. (laughs) On a good Sunday, 80, depending on how you define good. And then the other, it's going to be different. All right, so if I don't get to all the nuts and the bolts of what New Life Midtown's doing, I've got a word. I've got a word for you, and it's a word that helps you get into alignment with the will and the work of God for your life. No more wasting time. This is not a year to waste time. This is not a year to be distracted. And if I know anything about how the enemy works, he'll either try to delay you, He'll try to get behind you and push you so that you get out of your time. Or he'll try to surround you with so many things that are trivial that cause you to be distracted from the one thing that God has called you to do. Right? So, Holy Spirit of the living God, right now, we are asking you, give us a holy focus. Give us a holy assignment. Give us spiritual sight, spiritual eyes. Give us discernment. Give us the ability to see. Give us the ability to recognize what matters and what you're doing. And God, give us the courage and the confidence to join that in the earth right now. Now, in John chapter 17, Jesus is hours away. He's hours away. In John 17, he is praying his high priestly prayer. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. His soul is being crushed. He knows that in hours, he is going to lay down his life at the cross. And listen, when he's squeezed, listen to what comes out of him in verse 4. He says this, I have brought you glory on earth. This is all he cares about. Think, friends, listen. The thing that is on Jesus' mind hours before he's about to be brutally persecuted, tortured, is this. Did I finish what you sent me here to do? Did I finish what you sent me here to do? And what did you send me here to do? You sent me here to give you glory by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world began. What is he talking about? Go back to verse 4. Go back to verse 4. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. I want you to stop here. Just think about this. 
Later, two chapters later, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And many of us, you don't have to know chapter and verse. You know the story well enough to know that when he's hanging there and right before he gives up his spirit, he says something, three words, it is finished. Now, if he says right there on the cross that it's finished, then, then why is he saying here that I finished the work that you gave me to do? Because Jesus's work was multifaceted in its nature. His ultimate work was to lay down his life as a redemptive sacrifice for humanity. But let me, let me, let me charge you with this. If the only reason why Jesus came to the earth was to die, he could have done that any time. He could have done it any time. But there was something that God was doing in Jesus for 30 years. He was living in obscurity. He was learning faithfulness. He was learning obedience. He was learning how to pass tests. And in three years, he was living with knuckleheads. <laughs> he was. I wonder if those 30 years were to help him to do two things, not give up on those 12 guys and not give up on the cross. That's 10 years. 10 years for each year that he was with those guys. And you see this all over in the Gospels. Oh my gosh, why? Don't you still get it? Have, do you still not understand? And then, right before he's about to go to the cross, he's like, I did it. I finished it. I have poured my life. I believe these guys are ready. They're ready. They're ready to go. They're ready. They can take the message of the kingdom to the nations. We are here today. Listen. We are here today because Jesus started a table group. We are here today because he invested his life into those 12 men. We are here today because he prayed for them and he fought for them and he mentored them and he discipled them and he was patient with them and he put up with them and he got into the weeds and the dirt of their life. And this is why we are here because he got them to a place where they could hold the Holy Spirit. He got them to a place where the message of the kingdom and the reality of life in the kingdom and the gospel was so deep inside of them, they were willing to die for it. And then he was like, once I know they're willing to die for it, I'm ready to die for it. Y'all need to catch that. Once he knew that they were willing to die for it, he was ready to die for it. This is why in John 19, he says, it's finished. Now it's finished. Now I can give up my life. But in John 17, he says, the work you gave me to make sure that what I do on the cross lives beyond me, it's finished. It's finished. Look right here at John 17, verse six. I have revealed you to those whom, underline this, you gave me. What, did, what is God giving you, church? What is God giving you? to do this year? Who is God assigning you to? I, I, need, you to, I, I need to know whether or not this is connecting. Because there will be people for seasons of your life that God is assigning you to. It might be someone who's in your neighborhood that doesn't know Christ. It might be a friend that you go hiking with or ride dirt bikes with. It might be a gal that you're in a book club with. Like, you just have to discern, Lord, are you assigning me? Are you giving them to me in this season? And again, remember, 
If you're giving the best of your time and your energy and your emotions and your money and your generosity and your spiritual gifts and your virtue, if you're giving that away to people that God has not given to you, it will drain you. So our assignment as a family is to discern, God, what are you doing in New Life Midtown? That if we are faithful to this will result in the blessing and the flourishing of our city. All across our campuses this morning, all of our congregations are doing the exact same thing in a different way. All eight of us are talking about the things that God, that we discern that God is inviting us into. And God is doing amazing things in new life at large. And there will be some things that I say today and some things that we enter into in 2022 that God is doing across all of new life. And then because of the beauty of the way that God has set up the congregational parish model, there will be some things that are unique to Midtown. There will be some things that are unique to downtown. Downtown has been praying and believing and laboring for a permanent space for 10 years. This year, they celebrate their 10-year anniversary, right, as a congregation. And for 10 years, they have been a mobile church. And what I can tell you is that a mobile church in the season of COVID, it is awful. I mean, those guys were at the Antlers and those guys got kicked out of their home at Palmer and then they're finding themselves up in the World Prayer Center and how are we calling ourselves New Life Downtown when we're like up here at North? And I mean, it, that's challenging. And this year, I'm believing, and I, th- I think this is actually, we're, we're making steps towards this, but Downtown is, is in the process of looking for a building. They're gonna find permanent residency this year and we celebrate that. I began saying this years ago, even, even before our merger, is that when a church in our city wins, the kingdom wins. We need, to, we need to have that mindset. And we need to understand, friends, that God has called us to a, to a multi-congregational church, that part of our vision to reach the greater Pikes Peak region is to raise up strong congregations that are strategically located in various geographical locations around our city. And when Midtown wins, New Life wins, and the kingdom wins, right? When the city wins, the kingdom wins. God loves the city. God is blessing this city. God is at work in the city. God loves New Life, and he is at work in New Life. And what we want to discern is, God, what is it that you're asking us to do that is going to result in the flourishing of our city? Now, there are three missional words that, that exist within the New Life family. They're written on the back of our wall. How many of you guys know what they are? Encounter, formation, and mission. All right, so for those of you who just felt like you failed a pop quiz miserably, I want to encourage you. Number one don't be ashamed. That's on me. I should have been saying these words more. Okay. This is my responsibility. Number two, go out these doors at the end of service. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm a big man. I can own that. Go out these doors at the end of the service. And all I want you to do is use the power of visual memory and look at those words on the wall, right? They're not decor. They are our strategic missional objectives. Say them with me. Encounter, formation, and mission. Okay, so I'm not going to go into too much detail preaching these words. They're really great. They're really powerful. Right? Come on, guys. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> They're like, if you say so. <laughs> yeah. 
When we talk about encounter, we're saying that we want to be a people who believe that God is a God who's alive today. Right? That Christianity is more than just creeds. That Christianity is not just a bunch of rules. It's not sterile. It's not dead. When we say encounter, we are talking about the fact that we serve a living God. That his Holy Spirit is living and active and dynamic. That when God defines himself and when God describes himself, he uses power verbs. Are you hearing me today? Okay. And so everything that we do in every gathering, I am praying and I am believing and we are engineering environments that help create moments for you to encounter a living God, a God who speaks, a God who sees, a God who knows you, a God who is intimately acquainted with every detail of your life, a God who is able to move mountains for you, a God who is at work all morning long. Our mantra is that God is at work. What does that mean? It means that he's alive. It means he's active. It means that we can get an agreement and in conjunction with his work, we can be participants with his work. And in so doing, we can encounter him. How many of you, if I were to sit down with you at coffee, you can take me back to a moment where you had an encounter with God? How many of you can take me to that place, that moment? I know when it was for you because I was there, right? But here's the thing. If the last time you had an encounter that was noteworthy with the Lord was five or 10 or 20 years ago or five months ago, friends, my word to you today is God has an encounter with you every single day. They might vary in the degree of their intensity. They might vary in the degree of how, how deeply God marks you. But in the same way that I'm called to encounter this woman every day, if I just look back and say, dude, I'm telling you, man, the honeymoon of 2001, my God, that was a, like, if that's it, if that's all we got is the honeymoon, right? Listen, I got to be encountering this woman. I've got to be seeing her. I've got to be seeing her. I've got to be beholding her. Every day, friends. Yesterday, Christy and I, it was so beautiful. We woke up, we slept in a little bit. Kids were still sleeping. We were sitting there, we're chatting, we're talking with one another. And it was almost like I saw my wife again. I saw her. And I just began to tell her, I was like, babe, you just need to know, man, I'm just, I'm falling in love with you all over again. I began to tell her all the things in her life that I'm proud of and that I'm excited about. And, and you know what that was? It's me encountering her. This is what God wants with you. Every day, right? I want you to stop thinking about, did I do my quiet time? Did I read, did I read my verses? I want you to start saying, did, did I commune? Did I see God? Did I, see, did I turn my attention to him? Did I lift up my eyes and behold him? Did I encounter him? And did he encounter me? Did I share my heart? Did I bear my soul? Did, did, I, did I take a step towards intimacy with the living God? Did I have a revelation of the reality of who God is now for me in this moment? Yeah. Are you hearing me today? Yeah. Like, stop, stop, trying to, stop trying to do a Bible reading plan and encounter the living God. Yeah. And I believe that God wants to encounter us in our table groups. I believe that when we come to this table, we're not just eating stale wafers. We're encountering God. There's something here. I believe that when we give, we can encounter God. Right? The second missional component is, are we being... Are we changing? Are we growing? Are we developing? Or are we just stagnant? Are we just the same? Are we just the same? And what I mean by that is, are you becoming more like Jesus year in and year out? Right? Are you becoming more gracious? 
Are you becoming more kind? Now, don't let condemnation sit in here because one of the reasons why we exist as a church, as a people, is to come alongside each other and to help each other become more like Jesus. And let me just tell you this. Part of how that happens is, is by you living out your Christian life and getting alongside of someone else who's living out their Christian life, by the mere fact that you're intentionally getting your lives together, you're gonna help each other become more like Jesus, okay? In the good and in the bad. You're gonna get around people that are chasing after Jesus and they're gonna encourage you, man, I just got a word today. Like, you know, this is a testimony that's happening in my life. How can I pray for you? And they're gonna help you become more like Christ. You're gonna get around people that love Jesus. Listen to me, that love Jesus, that are pursuing Jesus and that are still gonna disappoint the heck out of you. They're gonna let you down. They're gonna have a moment of weakness. They're gonna respond in their flesh. They're gonna be bratty. They're gonna be selfish. And you know what? They're helping you become more like Jesus. Okay, so as much as I love the, the, private, the private disciplines, and listen, there is, there is no substitute. There is no substitute for the word of God in your spiritual formation. When you approach this in the spirit of life and grace, and you approach prayer in the spirit of life and grace, there is, these are the two greatest things that God has given us at our disposal for spiritual growth and maturity. That being said, our relationship with our community, I would say, is the third most important thing in your spiritual growth and development. Yeah. It is non-negotiable. Yeah. It is necessary. And this is why we are saying, guys, in 2022, like, we, we're, if, you, if you're tired of hearing this, you need to go somewhere else. Because I'm going to be like, get together with somebody, get in relationship, get connected, get in community, find a table group, find a prayer group, find a small group, get, get together, get with other living human beings who are trying to live the Christian life out well and commit to them. Yes. Commit to them. Commit to growing together. Yes. All right. And finally, this word here, mission. What does this mean? It means, you guys that God cares more, he, God cares about more than just our little lives. He cares about more than just our little lives. So our family is, is a growing family. The Swank family is connected with us. They have five children. Those are my nieces and my nephews. And life is beginning to look a little bit different in the Duncan Swank Morales family. It's change, and it's hard. Josiah, this year, this is the first year that he spent Christmas away from the family. Josiah was in Hawaii on Christmas Day. Mariah is about to get married here in a few months, and we don't know if she's going to have Christmas with us every year, every other year, or never. Right? These are changes. These are hard realities of growth and change. And as we were all celebrating and we were opening up our presents and having this beautiful, incredible moment, Josiah calls from Hawaii. And it was just this, it was just this, it was this beautiful, beautiful gesture of connection, but it was also this stark realization that not everybody is here who should be here. Now, as we continue this conversation, I want you to think about this. Like, we look around and, guys, a lot of people are sick. Sickness is flying all over this city. It's crazy. And we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But I want you to look around. Every, for every one of these chairs that are empty, I want you to think about two things. Who do I know that's not here? Call them. Text them. Text them. Reach out to them. 
Right? There's tons of people that are your brothers and your sisters that you're in relationship with, that you know. That's not my, it's not my job description to text every I do it, but it's not my job description. My job description is to remind you to text the people that are in your family and say, hey, hey, like I didn't say, are you okay? Do you need a meal? Do you need some chicken soup? Do you need prayer? What do you need? How, how can I be there for you? Right? Number two, I want you to look around and go for every one of these empty seats. This is some woman who's crying out for her husband to come to know Jesus. Right? For every one of these empty seats, this is a child that parents have been laboring over for decades that these, that these kids who grew up in vacation Bible school and Sunday school would come back to know Christ. Every one of these seats represents a living human soul that is, that's supposed to be at Christmas with us, and they're not here. Are you hearing me today? They're supposed to be at Christmas dinner, and they're not here with us. And God's heart, like as only God's heart can do, cares so much about what you're going through. And in the same way that he's caring about you, who's already in the family, he's willing to leave you to go out into the wilderness to go find one person that doesn't know him yet. In other words, what I'm saying is, is that God has the amazing ability to care deeply about what you're going through and what the person who doesn't know him yet is going through. It's not an either or dichotomy with God. And just like for us, it's not either we're, we're an encounter people and then we just don't worry about growing up ever. We just have these amazing encounters. Which, guys, listen to me. But I'm going all over the map today. <laughs> this is who we were. This was us. This was us 15 and 17 years ago. Oh, Jesus, we love your presence. We love your presence. Presence, people. Oh, we're all about the presence. But thank God for the presence of God. But are we growing? Do we care about each other? Can we be agents of reconciliation when somebody offends us? Are we growing in maturity? Are we, grow- are we growing? And then do we care about people out there who need God's presence probably more than we do? At a certain point of our lives, listen, if, if, if all you can live on is the presence of God, you need to grow up. There are people in this city who need an encounter. Like, is it okay if you step back and let them encounter God and you go clean toilets once? Or you become a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and you let them encounter God? Or you go watch their kids? How many of us in this room would watch their kids so they can encounter God? You know how to encounter God. Go put a podcast on. Go, go get a playlist. You know how to encounter God. Okay, man, I just... I just <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's bring this back to what God, I believe, is calling New Life Midtown to in 2022. Right? Very simple. If these big missional words... And they, they can feel a little daunting. They can feel a little overwhelming. Let me just bring this down to what I think could be very achievable. Right? When we talk about encountering God, we're talking about being a people that pursue God. Right? And one of the ways in 2022 that we're going to pursue God is we're going to pursue God in prayer. I believe and I feel, and I feel this in tandem, in concert with the other pastors and all the congregations. Every single one of us sense that God is inviting new life all eight congregations, into a greater season of prayer. Probably with the exception of the, Span- uh, of the Chinese church, because they pray more than all of us, right? <laughs> they don't need to pray anymore. <laughs> God is inviting us into a greater season of prayer. And what I, what I sense and I discern that God is up to is I think he's wanting to raise the water level of prayer across our city. Yeah. Because I want you to think about this. If our city is multiplying, if our city is growing exponentially, and we're still expecting the same level of prayer, 
to reach the amount of growth that is happening. Because remember, with growth comes problems. With growth comes challenges. Like, it's not all great, nice, clean people that are coming into our city. Right? You know this, right? You know there are people with wicked agendas that are coming into our city with growth. Do you guys realize this? But in the same way that God interrupted a murderous terrorist on the road, he can interrupt people because we're blanketing the city with intercession. Right? The purposes of God are not automatic. He invites his people to participate with him to see his kingdom come into the earth. And so what I'm saying is, in 2022, God's calling us to greater prayer. Starting tomorrow, eight times a week, indefinitely. We're, the, the World Prayer Center has become the hub in North America for 24-7 prayer. The ministry, 24-7, which is based out of the UK. It's ran by a guy by the name of Pete Gregg. It's, I mean, 24-7 prayer is happening in dozens of countries around the world, you guys. And they've been looking for a place in the United States. Lord, we're trying to find a place where the hub of 24-7 prayer, the centralized, coordinated hub, who will be a house that will host this, who, will say, who, who carry the same spirit and the same DNA and the same purpose and the same passion. And through the course of a lot of events, the World Prayer Center has become the hub in North America for 24-7 prayer. And we're beginning to create this track by starting off with eight prayer meetings a week. They're going to start at 7.30 in the morning. So from 7.30 to 8.30, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Not Friday, not Saturday, not Sunday yet. We've got to start in steps. And then 12 to 1, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you have two options each day, every day. Now, you, probably, you might be saying, those are during the work hours. I can't make that. I understand. If you can't get up there for a lunch hour or before work starts, we're also going to be looking to find times at New Life. I mean, at Midtown. We are New Life. At Midtown. To raise the water level of prayer here. And listen, let me be clear about something. We're not just praying for the sake of praying, okay? We are praying because we are trying, we want to position ourselves to be a people who discern where the Spirit's at work so we can get in agreement with how the Spirit's at work so that we can see the kingdom of God come. Guys, you know one of the purposes of Advent is to make us more desirous of the kingdom, I remember probably about day 11, day 14, something like that. Christy was sitting here, and it was right on the heels of hearing some tragic news that had happened in, in, our, in, our, in our nation. And it just clicked in. There's always this moment in Advent where something just clicks in, and it's like, God, we are agonizing for you to come. Enough is enough. We must have the kingdom of God come and bring the righteousness and the peace and the healing and the life and the joy of heaven. And God is, God is saying, I, I need you to want that. I need you to be willing to participate with me for my kingdom to come because we are the answer. We are the answer. We are the answer to the problems of the world to be the people of God. This is how the kingdom of God comes to the earth. All right, number two, how are we going to work out our call to see formation come? Guys, table groups. I mean, you're going to hear this over and over. Table groups and 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 share meals and share stories and share lives and share frustrations and share disappointments and share letdowns and share your spiritual gifts and share your revelation and share your testimony and share your time. and I can keep going. 
Okay, this is the Christian life, friends. The Christian life is a shared life. It's what koinonia means. It means it's our lives are shared. I share the good with you, the ugly, the bad, the hard. I share it with you. And you share yours with me. And as we do this, we share the life of God one with another. Okay? So you're going to hear about table groups over and over and over again. They begin the first week of February. And they go February, March, April, May. Okay, we're going to go four months on. We're going to take the summer off. We're going to go four months in the fall. All right? Intentional community one with another. What you guys do in the summer, it's up to you. Hopefully good things happen. All right, so the, the final word here is mission. What are we called to as New Life Midtown to participate in a very specific way with the mission of God? The only word that I have right now. Now, listen, there will probably be dozens of things. There will be dozens of ways that you encounter God this year. There will be dozens of ways that we pursue spiritual growth and development. I'm not limiting you to these things, but I'm saying to be very clear and simple and specific. New Life Midtown is called to pray. We're called to gather around the table, to pursue one another around the table, and we're called to the local schools. So this year, I'm going to find a local school or two or three that we're going to make a difference with, that we're going to partner with, that, that, that will be our school, and it's going to be somewhere close to this neighborhood. Because listen, one of the greatest pain points in Colorado Springs is the school system. I can tell you from teachers... I can tell you from parents, I can tell you from principals, I can tell you from administrators. The, the local schools in Colorado Springs, particularly D11 and D2, they are struggling. They are hurting. We have teachers on the brink of giving up. We have parents that don't have the bandwidth to help you know, tutor their own kids. And they're, they're expecting the local schools to be their counselors. They're expecting the local schools to pay for all their meals. They're expecting the local schools to, to, to be their safe haven, to be their fathers, to be their mothers. Listen, teachers didn't sign up for that. Teachers signed up to be teachers. Yeah. But the local schools need the support of the people of God in this city, in this hour. And I don't know what it looks like, but I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you a heads up. I'm going to find out what it looks like. I'm going to find out what God is calling us to do for some school or some series of schools that is right here in our neighborhood, and we're going to give ourselves to it. We're going to tutor kids. We're going to be present. We're going to pay attention. We're going to give them backpacks. We're going to give them supplies. We're going to encourage teachers. We're going to prayer walk. We're going to beautify their, their, their uh, facilities. We're going to do it because they need it and because God is inviting us to do that. Amen? All right. I'm going to withhold... Uh, building campaign stuff for second service next week. I'm going to talk with you about building campaign next week. All right, this is our last year that we have in a five-year lease. Can you believe that? How many of you guys were here when we renovated this, this building? Yeah, it's, it's, we're, four years have been done. We're into our fifth year already, right? For, we're, into the, we're starting our fifth year of a five-year lease. So I want to talk with you more about that next week. All right, the last thing I want to leave you with is this. <clears throat> in order for us... To, to be as a people. I mean, this is brass tacks. This is just reality. I was looking around this morning and I was, I was looking at Caitlin. I think Caitlin's probably already taken off. She and I were talking between services. And Caitlin was, I was like, how are you doing? She was like, I'm so tired. And Caitlin was telling me about some of the family dynamics that are going on in their home. I'm looking over here at the drums and I see Mike Thorne and, and man, this guy's got four little kids at home and, and, uh, and man, wakes up early, helps, he's got five I quit. Oh my gosh, game over. I'm done. It was enough, it was enough at four, Elliot. Now I'm overwhelmed, right? 
Now, I look at the, I look at Jonathan Swindle over here, even though he's not a quote unquote volunteer, but like let's just be honest. None of, there's an element of paid staff, and all of us who are paid are volunteering, guys. We're all working above and beyond. And like sickness has been in the Swindle household for like eight weeks consecutively, right? I look around at, you know, those who are running in the live stream in the back, and th- this everything that happens for the existence of this people to be here happens on the back and the shoulders and the lives of people who love this house and who believe in the calling of God in this place and are willing to give of their time, willing to give their energy, willing to, willing to give of a Sunday morning once a month or every other week. It's incredible. It's incredible, you guys. It's It's stupendous. In fact, like, I want you to, I want you to like, just take this in. This Sunday morning happens, 9 and 11, it happens on the backs of 145 man hours, people hours, every Sunday. Like you said, there's no way. It, it, there is way. I mean, we have people that are ministering to our children, holding our babies, playing games with them, who come prepared. Like they sort out toys, they clean toys, they, they, they comfort our children when they're screaming when you hand them over, <laughs> screaming, bloody murder. There's some poor soul who doesn't get paid except for greater crowns in heaven who take that screaming child and by nothing but the sheer love of God, just pour out goodness upon our children. What is that? It's love. It's the, the only way we exist to have these services, to talk about these things, is on the backs of people who say, I believe in you, and I believe in this, and I believe in God, and I believe in what God is doing enough to give my time, to give my life, to give my hands, to give my soothing voice, right? There are people that are volunteers that put words on our screens, that make sure that people who can't make it on a Sunday see words and see videos. Like, guys, so much of what happens here... 45 to 50 volunteers every Sunday morning. Let that sink in. By, by the way, how many of you guys are people that volunteer? Semi regularly here in this house. People who don't are like embarrassed now. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. What I'm saying is, is that there's something for all of us. There's something for every single one of us. Now, let me also say this, because this can feel like manipulative and condemning. There are, t- there are seasons in our life where we just can't. That we just can't. And listen, you need to know there is no condemnation for that. Like earlier in this week, like I, I, I was completely fatigued. Some, something hit me and, and I just, man, I hit up against my wall and I was in bed literally all day long from Wednesday afternoon till Thursday night. I couldn't, I couldn't. So there are seasons in our life when you can't. Then there are just seasons in life when you don't. There are seasons in life when you won't. And it's up to you to discern what, those, what that season is right? But if you are looking for an opportunity, let me just let you know that there are three major areas of opportunity for you at New Life Midtown right now in 2022. Number one, or there's four. Thanks, Erin. There's four. She's like, don't forget the cleaning team. (laughs) I'm going to start with the cleaning team, okay? The cleaning team. Guys, listen, we don't pay people to clean up our building. And human beings are just, they're just messy creatures, they're just nasty creatures. Like, it's like the Matrix. Like, you're disgusting creatures. Like, no, we just, when you walk into a place and it's not yours and you don't carry the sense, like, even my children, look at this right here. This is just bloody mess up here. My God. Like, <laughs> we don't hire janitors. We don't hire a custodial staff. We have people that on their, good, on their own good heart, on their own good time, they come in and they clean this building. It's, it's unbelievable. And if you've been into the men's restroom, 
See, did you hear that? Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Okay, ain't nobody getting paid for that. All right? So there's opportunities to help be a part of that. There's that, that right there. You can be a part of that too. That too could be your response. Ugh. Okay? And, and the Lord just has something special for you. That's all I have to say. Cleaning, cleaning ministry. All right? Visuals and production. All right? Our, our, our boy Kyle back here is going to be available. We have all four of our reps are going to be available in this four-year area. For any of you who are just interested, we're not asking you to sign your life away, but if you're just interested remotely, you want to hear more about it, you want to understand... Go out there in the foyer. They'll tell you all about it. We need people to help, you know, run, run visuals, to help run our live stream, to put words into the system so that it helps with our encounter week in and week out. Children's ministry. Guys, until Jesus returns, every church in North America will always have a need for help with the children's ministry. And by the way, they're not just needs. They're opportunities. They are opportunities. They're opportunities for you to grow. There are opportunities for you to be the vessel of God's life that's going into the next generation. And here's what I can tell you, this. If we don't have amazing ministers, right, that are ministering to kids, and even if you're like, I don't want to be with kids, great, be with adults. We have awesome opportunities in our children's ministry to just be friendly, to just greet people when they come in, to sort things, to cut up arts and crafts, to just do all kinds of things, all right? And if we don't have people that are making Christianity attractive, to that generation, it, it, it dies. It's over. It's done. It doesn't live. This doesn't live if we, don't, if we don't really prioritize ministering to that generation, okay? And I'll tell you more about ushers. Uh, I'll, I'll go into more detail about ushers later, but if you're even remotely interested about being an usher in some capacity, we're building our usher ministry, and I'm just going to tell you this. All of these empty seats, this is not our future, Okay? So I need you to imagine walking into a room and you have no place to sit, okay? Which means you might want to start showing up early on time, okay? Because there, there will come a day when we'll have ushers who have to tell you where to sit. That's going to happen, okay? So usher ministry is, is being established and reestablished because the church is growing. You may know it, it is growing. We're growing. I, I prophesy that. We are growing, Okay. And we're going to need men and women to help bring order into our services. Okay, stand to your feet this morning. Let's come to the table. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate. Let's thank God for all the amazing things that he's doing in the earth. <coughs> you can go back and listen to the first service and actually get more detail on some of these initiatives. You can hear about our building campaign. But uh, the word just came on fire. So sorry, not sorry. I love you guys. You're awesome. All right, friends, come on up forward. Let's grab and receive the elements. to this moment is called the Eucharist. The Eucharist. 
is actually a Greek word that very simply means thanksgiving. Why would we call it the Eucharist? It's the Greek word for thanksgiving. It just reminds us that this is a moment to offer thanksgiving and gratitude for all the good things that God has done. And I just want to speak over your 2022. I want to speak grace and I want to speak thanksgiving because God is doing good things. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be amazed at the end of this year. And friends, listen, at the end of this year, if we, if we can start 2023 and look back and say, we prayed more, we encountered God more, we pursued each other, we rallied and gathered together around, we grew together, and we made a heck of a dent in a local school. Guys, that's, that's praiseworthy. That's awesome. And I believe it can happen, and I believe it will happen. And I'm going to thank God in advance. I'm going to thank God now for the good things that he has done and the good things that he will do. So if you would hold this in your hand and you would just crush this in your hand with me, we crush this as a physical picture and a representation that the body of Christ was crushed, literally crushed, broken for you, for your salvation, for your relationship with God and for your healing. Let us receive the body of Christ broken for you. And with this cup, Jesus made an eternal announcement. You know what that is? It's you're forgiven. It's you're forgiven. You don't have a debt that you owe. He paid it. You're forgiven. Isn't that amazing? No more condemnation. No more guilt. No more shame. No more hiding in a corner. No more trying to work it out and figure it out all by yourself. Come home. Come to the table. Come be a part of the family. As you are. Because you're clean clean and you're clear so you work it out even as you work it out amen friends the body of christ broken for us and the blood of christ shed for us let's receive of the cup amen let's sing a song of thanksgiving to the lord praise god thank you jesus friends remember you have two assignments walk out those double doors and just literally stand there and look at all at our three amazing missional words just just be mesmerized by them and then while you're standing there someone's going to tap you on the shoulder and ask if you want to serve in some some area and just listen to them and smile and nod and then go away pray about it and then do something about it all right lift up your hands may the lord bless you today new life midtown may the lord be gracious to you may the lord smile on your face May the Lord empower you and anoint you again all over again for this week. You're going into a good week. You're going into a week full of the Spirit of God, full of the love of God, full of the life of God. You're going into this week full of purpose. God has encounters for you this week, encounters with Him and you and encounters with you and other people. There are people who need what you carry. And so I'm sending you into this week. You're authorized and you're commissioned 
to go into this week in the name of Jesus, to carry God into the world that is around you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.